We are in week number six of this sermon series. If you've missed any of them, uh, they're all on the website. You can go there and check it out uh, or look on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, today we start week number six in a sermon that's titled Heartbreak. In 1985, a 49-year-old lady named Bridget Gurney, she walked home from the dentist and something horrific happened. A massive crane atop one of the skyscrapers fell off, plunging several stories down, landing on Bridget's legs. Amazingly, Bridget was not killed. More amazingly, she would walk again and live to be 85, passing away just a couple years ago in 2021. Bridget was pinned to the street for over six hours. While rescue workers and emergency personnel, they tried to get her out from under that piece of steel. Begs the question, how in the world did she survive? When emergency worker Paul Raganese arrived on the scene, he saw her unable to move and he held her hand for six hours. They, of course, eventually pulled her out from under the crane and rushed her to the hospital. She went through surgery after surgery after surgery. And about two months later, when she came out of the hospital, the news department at one of the television stations in New York went to cover her finally going home. And they asked her the question, would you tell us the one thing that made the difference in your surviving this kind of an ordeal? And her answer was simple. What kept me alive is that he held my hand. What kept me alive was he held my hand. And so I ask you today, who's holding your hand? And whose hand are you holding? Let's take a look at this week's commercial for our inspiration. A young mother had a son, a kind-hearted boy who always tried to do what's right. As he grew older, he worried about others more than himself. Whenever he saw anyone suffering, he tried to heal and comfort them. But more people became sick. Disease ravished the land. People were quarantined, isolated. Many didn't survive. It became too much, and he had to isolate himself. He cried as he thought about all the unbearable things that people were going through. The mental anguish racked him with sorrow, but it was his cross to bear. Of course, the compassion of a stranger to hold another stranger's hand for six hours in the direst of circumstances, it's simply a reminder of how powerful it is when we show care. If you live on this earth very long, you will find yourself in trouble, just getting out of trouble or going to trouble. And you see this very big word, compassion, compassion helps us get through those hard times. And when we show compassion to others, we find ourselves blessed as well. And as we saw in the commercial, Jesus gets us. Jesus gets this enormous topic of compassion because he sees us. Yes, 
Each and every one of us, that includes you and me, he sees us through the eyes of compassion. And as Jesus cared for people, he often drew these great crowds because compassion, like he showed, is rare. And we too, we too can show the compassion of Jesus to others, can't we? We find this passage in the book of Matthew. Jesus, he's busy ministering across the region. He's teaching, he's preaching, he's touching people, he's healing folks. And suddenly he stops. And he stops in his tracks. He views the crowd around him that is growing by by people every single second. And he is moved, stirred with compassion. Chapter 9 of the book of Matthew, starting in verse 35, it says, Jesus, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. They were helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And in this move of stirring compassion, he turns and he looks to his disciples and he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, he says to his disciples, to send out workers into his harvest field. And so we ask the question today, how? How do we, how do we as the people of God, as Jesus' followers, how do we learn to have the compassion that Jesus had? And I have four quick thoughts for you today. I want to share these with you. You can write them down. You can follow along in the YouVersion app. But here's the first one. The first one is this. We need to see people as Jesus saw them. We need to see people as Jesus saw them. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, we just read it. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Did you know that it is impossible to have compassion on somebody you do not see? Oh, come on, somebody. That's a good word. It is impossible to have compassion on someone you do not see. I mean literally and figuratively. If you do not see them, you will not be stirred to compassion. In other words, we have to have our eyes open and our heads up. We have to get outside of ourselves and see others where they are and recognize the compassion that they need. And we have two options when we see another person hurting, don't we? We can either see them through the lens of worthiness or see them through the lens of worth. It's such a distinction to be made today for all of us, isn't it? Jesus saw people with compassion because he saw them through the lens of worth. We tend to ignore people who need compassion because we chalk it up to they're not worthy. If they would just work hard, if they would just do something different, if they would just get off drugs, if they would just act right, if they would just, and we begin to add all of these worthiness identifiers, and we miss the fact that every person is worth the compassion of Jesus Christ. Every person has inherent worth because every person is created in the image of God and created by God himself. And it's easy to make excuses. It's easy to make excuse after excuse, and I extend that helping hand of compassion toward others. And how do we see people? We tend to categorize them, don't we? We easily see a person, and we never interact with them, perhaps, but yet we still lump them into a category. I think back to my old high school days. No, I can't remember that far back. But you remember the groups, don't you? These probably don't exist today because we're so much more progressive. But jocks and nerds, 
geeks and cool people, preppies, and the labels go on and on and on. Can I just say, some of us have graduated from high school, but we haven't graduated from the labels. Some of us have graduated from high school, but we've not given up the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the inclination to label people as we see them. Here's maybe something for my generation. The reason the show The Office was so popular is because it identified stereotypes of people that we can all identify with at work. Can I get a good amen? <laughs> but people are more than their stereotypes. And you, my friends, are more than your past mistakes. You are more than any label a person has put on you. But so is that other person sitting beside you and in front of you and behind you. We are all more than that. We need to see people as Jesus saw them. And what did Jesus see? Jesus saw people as harassed and helpless. Harassed and helpless. Literally, the translation for that means to be torn and thrown down. When Jesus saw these people, he was moved with compassion. Why? Because they were torn out, torn up, and torn down. He saw them as their status was. Used here in this context by common people, it's actually used to describe their religious condition. Might just preach at somebody today. It describes their religious condition. They were harassed. They were inopportune. They were bewildered by those that should have taught them, but yet they were hindered from entering the kingdom of heaven. They were laden with the burdens that the Pharisees laid on them. The Greek word, eramenoi, denotes men who are cast down and prostrate on the ground, not in an act of prayer, but from drunkenness or from mortal wounds. And friends, we are most like Jesus when we show compassion to the unchurched. It's not some progressive or woke ideology it is scripture. Jesus sees these people and they've been harassed and burdened by whom? The church. And friends, there are thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of people who have been hurt by the church and they're looking for hope and we need to be the hope dealers they're looking for. We are most like Jesus when we show compassion to the unchurched. God, in fact, is drawn to those who need him. Jesus, here in this story, he had been busy in ministry, but rather than counting his accomplishments, he still saw those in need. For some of us, we're climbing the corporate ladder. We're, we're watching as our bank account accumulates zeros. We're taking this step and that step to accomplish all the success that we want in this world and it causes us to miss the very people we should be helping in this world. William and Catherine Booth may be a familiar name to some of you. They founded the Salvation Army in 1865. They were focused on the ignored, the abused, the marginalized of London. And in a vivid illustration of that kind of calling, Every single Christmas, there was this London tradition that would see churches send out representatives to call the people into service. Anglicans would call for Anglicans. 
Methodists for Methodists, Catholics for Catholics. And after all those invitations were given, the remainder of the people out there without churches were left alone with no connection at all. And booths, the booths would step out and they would shout to the people, all of you who belong to no one, come with me. May God give us that generation, that generation of Christians with the compassion and the vision and the sight of the booths for all people. First, we have to see people as Jesus saw them. Secondly, we have to be moved. We have to be moved the way Jesus was moved. Back to Matthew chapter 9, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. It's a verb. That word for compassion is literally the bowels. As in this gut-wrenching concern, Jesus was physically moved by a stomach-wrenching empathy for the, flight, for the plight of his flock. He was literally sickened by the poor leadership of Israel's hypocritical religious leaders. You see these people, they need spiritual shepherds. They needed religious leaders, but those religious leaders had failed them. Compassion, of course, is this idea of doing something with an amount of passion. And Jesus showed his passion towards those neglected by others. And he proved his compassion, guess where? On the cross. The reason he went to the cross is because you and I without him are helpless and harassed. Because you and I without him are hopeless. Because you and I without him are in need of compassion. And he showed it in a tangible way in his day, and yet he still went all the way to the cross for our day. That's a good news story, friends. And when we grasp the power of mission, <laughs> the mission of Jesus Christ, even the mission of this church, this body of believers, when we grasp the power of mission, we can see how it can change everything. Not just for us, but for the world around us. The year is 1983. John Scully, he met Steve Jobs. John Scully, he was the CEO of Pepsi. And Steve Jobs, at the time, he was leading this small company called Apple. No trick questions today. <laughs> Pepsi was this giant, but Apple was this small, young startup company. But Jobs, he asked Scully an important question. He said to him, do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? That question, of course, convinced Scully. And soon after, he and Jobs transformed Apple into one of the most revolutionary companies in the world. Although I hear Noel doesn't like you if you have an Android. And for those of us in the room today, isn't that the challenge? We can be moved by things that really make no difference, or we can be moved by the thing that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. 